We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Another week, another sit down with me, Kel Dansby, and old man Andreas Hale in the building. I know he has a good attitude today because he just got some food. It was delivered somewhat promptly. He got time to eat. His, his mind is clear, and we're ready to go. Uh, no more cranky, Andreas, right? You were a little cranky last week. I was? I think so. Was it last week or the week? No, last week you were just grimy. Last week you were in good spirits because <laughs> you were making fun of me not having a beard. Yeah. You were cranky two weeks ago. And by the way, I've proven it. I've been growing out the beard. I got like... 
I'd say a quarter inch of length on it. Oh my god! All right, it, it's All going this, somewhere, man. Good. It's going somewhere. We're gonna get constant updates of Kel and his beard growth. Um, today, though, we got to start the show with the passing of a legend. Aretha Franklin passed away today. Uh, sadly, the you know the writing was kind of on the wall. Her family was able to be next to her. It seems as though not just musically, but a lot in music, we're losing the legends we grew up with, our parents grew up with. Um, it, it's a rough time. When, like, because Aretha was kind of before my generation, but you're old man Andres. You got, like, the super old man soul. Is that something that you heard bumping in the crib growing up? Like, do you have an attachment to Aretha, say, as uh, Stevie Wonder, who you go see live constantly? Um... Not like Stevie, like there's, there's really between Prince Michael Jackson and Stevie, and that's kind of unfair because they're all men. But um, <laughs> that's just how it was. Like Prince Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, just are like three greatest musicians in my life. Um, but Aretha, as far as the voice is concerned, and um, some of her later years, you know, I grew up in the '80s, in the early '80s, so it was like, you know, hearing that around the house at like four and five years old, I remember that, and. Uh, just and I, I mean I, I posted on Twitter. It's like she had uh, "Who's Zooming Who" was the theme song of WrestleMania three, and I'll always remember that. And that was Aretha Franklin. Um, her singing "America the Beautiful." It's, everything is wrestling. It's crazy, right? Like Aretha <laughs> Franklin and pro wrestling, but that voice, man, like that's she. She had one of the most fantastic voices in all of music, and she was one of those individuals where if she took your song, if she if she wanted to. Re, uh, do a remake of your song, it was no longer your song. It was her song. And you better not go back and try to do anything about it. Like, her <laughs> voice was just that remarkable. And she was also the queen of shade. Like, if anybody remembers some of the interviews that she did, she shaded, like, Taylor Swift. And somebody asked her about um, Taylor Swift. She was like, oh, she's got nice gowns. Yeah. Like, she didn't comment on her voice. And, like, Alicia Keys, she was like, oh, she's great behind the piano. But she didn't com comment on her voice. Like, she commented on Beyonce's voice and said it gave her applause for having a great voice. But Aretha called a spade a spade, man. And it's like, it's it sucks that she's gone, but she lived a great life. Um, you know, we're at that age now. Like, a lot of these are, are the artists that we grew up with are passing away. So, you know, there's Aretha. It's, it's going to be rough when Patty goes, because shit. Oh, not Aunt Patty. No, no, no. Yeah, Listen, like, I, need, I need to taste her cooking in real life before that <laughs> happens. I'm just letting it be known. She can't go no time soon. You know, it's Patty, Shaka. I mean, they're, they're, like I said, like Stevie Wonder, somebody, I, I will, I'll shed some tears when Stevie Wonder passes. Yo, but, Shaka looks like she's 30. Hell, I don't know what she's doing. She I can't. mean, between, <laughs> yo, between her and Angela Bassett, whose 60th birthday is today, Angela's 60. Yo, I saw a side by side because Madonna's 60th birthday is today. Madonna kind of looks 60. Angela Bassett <laughs> looks, she looks like an IG model. Yo, Angela Bassett has looked the same. Since oh, I'll, even before that, since like Strange Days and how Stella got a groove back and waiting to exhale, she has not changed. She's amazing. If anything, she's somehow found two more abs. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I like I need to drink from the same fountain of youth that her and Pharrell drink from. The shit is crazy. Um, but back on Aretha, it's just, it sucks, man. She's gone, and you know, uh, once when Michael passed, it became the realization that our our uh, our stars are no longer bulletproof. That they are going to pass away. And then Prince passed. And that was a rough one. I never thought about Aretha passing away. It, it never really crossed my mind. I felt like Whitney passed. And it was like, wow, this mortality is, is a thing. But Aretha, it was just like, she can live forever. I, I just never considered something happening to Aretha Franklin. And 
You know, she's gone now. It's, it's awful, but... It's horrible, and it's so different, because I feel like the other people passed, I would like to say, before their time, but they kind of contributed to them passing away, no matter how great they are. Like, right. Whitney, Michael, Prince, they all, in, in some way, seems as though they did themselves in. Yeah. This is, like, just, like, no, like, she was singing two months ago. She was in Vegas four months ago. Right. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, nah. Like, you know, oh, Aretha would be out here. She'll be at the Flamingo. Like, that's something I would tell my grandma. Like, oh, you coming to town? Yeah, we'll go. We'll go see one of those concerts. We'll go catch the concert at the Orleans. Yeah, and man. you just, you never think like, yo, yeah, people, people still die of old age. That's yeah. what's shocking. Because everyone else, you know, they, they go early or don't go at all yet. And right. yeah, yeah, this is it, this one hit home um, in the wrestling world. We had uh, the Anvil Nightheart passing away. NXT and WWE um, Raw SmackDown did tributes to him. Natty obviously was off of TV this week, um, as it's her father. And it was a creepy, creepy ass picture going around the internet where everything's grayed out except for Bret Hart, and he's the last member of the Hart Foundation. Yeah, I mean, the Hart families, man, they, they've had it rough. I mean, there's only the, the most tragic pro wrestling family of all time is the Von Erichs. Like, the Von Erich family has been through the most. Yeah. The suicides, yeah. just death. Kerry um, Von Erich losing his foot, overdosing. Like, they've been through a lot. But the Hart family, I mean, with Owen's death, I mean, you look at Bulldog, now Anvil's gone, Brett's the only one left. And, and, and Pillman. Like that, Pillman was yeah. the picture. You know, Pillman's gone, but it's 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 crazy to, to see it, and Brett's still here, and it's like, like, Brett's my childhood. Like, the Von Erics, I watched them, but I was, like, I was attached to Bret Hart. Ever since the Hart Foundation debuted in WWF, I was attached. So, see, hearing about not Hart sucks, because it's like, damn, man, like, that was my tag team as a kid. I love <laughs> the Hart Foundation. Yo, them versus the Rockers, I was so torn. Oh, man. Yeah, I think everybody was. I mean, I'll never forget, and I just watched it today. Uh, was SummerSlam, I want to say it was 94, maybe 93, uh, the Hart Foundation against Demolition, when the Legion of Doom came out and uh, interrupted it. it was, I think it was a two out of three falls match, and the Hart Foundation won back the titles. Um, and that, that was during a phase where Demolition was, like, unbeatable. Like, between them cheating with Fuji, then they added Crush, it had, like, the Freebird rule. Like, everybody wanted the Hart Foundation to win. They finally pulled it out. And it was like seeing the anvil jump around happy with that maniacal laugh. I was like, man, <laughs> he's gone. Like, he, it's crazy. He's gone. But it's wrestling, man, and, and nobody lives long in this business. No, I mean, Ric Flair is defying the odds. Yeah, I, no, I don't know how. Like, I don't know who bartered the deal with Ric Flair and the devil. Because like, <laughs> the, the fact that he's still here after what he's put his body through is unreal to me. He's pickled on the insides. He he's just mummified on the insides. He'll live forever. As long as the outsides is good money. Uh yeah, no, it, it's just crazy though to see that. And it, you know, it's a all jokes aside, it is a sad week. We get the passing of these legends, you know, all the way across. And it's always sad to see. So felt like starting off the podcast with that. Um now before we get to I guess there's not actually a ton of combat sports, but before we get to the combat sports. You know we got to touch on some of the ratchetness I've been seeing on my Twitter page. You know, this is where I get to talk about all this. Now that I got the job, and I'm trying to catch you with like eight jobs, this is this is my time in the vent. So, Nicki Minaj, you did the review of the album. We understand that it's trash. 
She ain't and, going down without a fight, Drake. Like she adds Fifi, the Takashi Six Nine song to the album, so she can come in at number one. I'm assuming with the new, you know, okie doke rules that there are to album sales. Um, so she's probably going to grab the number one spot. But as far as relevance in hip hop, is she a rap? Is she old news? No, she's not. Um, she's not a rap. As long as she has the barb, she won't be a rap. They go quick um, though, yo, quick. I mean, they'll, I mean show, they'll show up to your concert when you watch, like, and barely show up, like Lauren Hill. They'll still support. People still buying Lauren Hill tickets. Sold out all time. People in Kansas City was just left waiting till like three a.m. Yeah. Like they, they will be there for the abuse. We talk about us watching Raw and SmackDown still. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they'll be there for punishment. Yeah, like, and they don't like Raw and SmackDown. We get to still watch it on time. Like, you got to sit there and listen to a DJ play some shit. Um, but it, man, in Nikki's case, it's so weird, man. Like, her rollout was terrible. Um, so here's the funny thing. Like, I haven't mentioned anything about this on Twitter. So I did review the album. I did the first listen. I do first listens. I don't do album reviews the same night. That's just not what I do. So I do a first listen piece in like five things we picked up. But I trashed the album so bad that they didn't run the review. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And if if you know who it is, then you know you know what publication is for. Um, but I, I just I shit it on it because it it starts off decent and then it just it it's terrible. Like it's it's an artist that is clearly scared or feeling threatened of her space. Whether it's Cardi B, whether it's mainly Cardi B. Um, Remy Ma, Rhapsody, like she's still trying to flex and trying to prove that she's the top. And the thing about Nikki is, like I've told the stories before, like I met Nikki. Me and Nikki were really cool when I worked at BET. I put, you know, I put together her first little video diary for BET.com. Um, but she has a fragile ego. And I'm not saying that based off experience. I didn't pick that up necessarily during our interactions. I picked it up as time progressed and like, she stopped following me on Twitter because I said some shit about Lil Wayne. And it was a uh, the way that she moves is somebody who is constantly threatened. Like she's always wanted to be a pop star. That is something that I was known about since the first day I met her when she signed the Young Money. But if you look at what she's doing now, and she's making like the she's trying to make these pop hits, and like they're not working. She they're wants not to be Katy Perry. And they they worked for a couple albums. Yeah, some of them they work, but it's like her strength is rapping. The girl can rap. If she puts, if she really buckles down, Nikki can rap. And the one thing she always goes back to is her verse on Monster, which is actually phenomenal. But, you know, there, like, there was some stuff on her Beam Me Up Scotty mixtape. So but it was can like, she write? See, that, yeah, that's the, she, that's the she difference. She can write. Look, look, don't, don't get it. Like, even Safari's gone on record. No, 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 no. I mean, listen, she writes her verses, all that shit. It's rap, right? Rap is rap. No one's gonna write your raps for you. It's the same Drake case, right? Can well, you write your hooks? And that's what's missing. I, it's, I don't think it's the hooks. It's just the type of music. Like, her music is so bubblegum. Like, what that, I, I, need, I need her, like, the monster verse was, like, you know, I'm going in. Like, now she's all about, like, catchy ad-libs and, like, purring like a cat. It's like, yo, just rap. Just rap. I'm sorry. Cardi B is taking your spot. Cardi B is just, and it's not even your spot because there's more than enough room for a bunch of women in hip hop. But yo, stop rapping like you threatened. Like stop. And, and this this album is like 19 tracks of like of just egregious. I'm hang, clinging on to relevancy. Like your barber's <laughs> gonna love you. None, no, nevertheless, the barber's gonna love you no matter what. But man, 
this album stinks. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm never going to listen to it again. Um, even the song with Eminem, it's just like very quirky. And it's like... Yeah, that song was whack. I mean, but it's, you know, it's cool. You know, but I like to... I want more rapping. Like the song with Future's Trash, the song with The Weeknd's Trash. It's like she's trying to get hits. But that's... She redid the Biggie joint. It got a reaction. That that was actually like it shows you. It's how okay. It, it wasn't can, even as good as How to Rob though. Like no, I mean, well, nothing's. I mean, come on, man. Like Fifty Cent's How to Rob put the entire industry on notice. Yeah, so I'm like, if you're gonna redo it again, like, I mean, you know, like when when Biggie did Dreams, and then when Biggie wrote Kim's Dreams on on the hardcore album, people were like Lil Kim's was amazing. No, that was big writing the verse. <laughs> but Nicki, it was clever. Like she took a lot of the today's rappers, Young Thug wearing a dress, blah blah blah. It was clever. It was more up Nikki's lane, but all this fluffy bubblegum cotton candy shit, it's whack. And it is what it is. Her, friend, her friends are going to love her, but it, you know, the casual fans ain't really fucking with it. She wants to be more spaceships than anything. Yeah. But and that's killed her. Yeah, and when those run out, once again, you got to put a lot of money in to keep pumping out those hits. When, when the producers, the, the EDM DJs, because a lot of those were just straight EDM tracks. That she's singing over. Um, yeah, once that stops, once the well runs dry, I don't know if she got the bread and butter anymore. Can she make a hip-hop hit? And I don't think so. She can if she wants to. I don't think she wants to. And, and when you when you stop wanting to, then you forget how to. So, That's a damn yeah, shame. <laughs> you know, it's like some people... You know, when when people went the Jiggy route, when the Jiggy era was happening, cause like I'll never forget, like Mike Geronimo, World Flush, they all tried to go the Jiggy route. And it just it was a travesty. Like none of this shit worked. Everybody tried to be like big and talk about Crystal, but it's like you gotta know your lane. And Nikki could again, Nikki could rap, but you trying to invade this lane like this very bubblegum, I need to be on radio, like chill out, just and I think by now she may have, for, you know, she's may losing that touch, or she just doesn't believe that she needs to do it anymore. Like her ego. If anybody's seen the, uh, the interview with Elliot Wilson, the, the Crown interview, she sounds like somebody who's desperately clinging on the relevancy because she's constantly reminding people of what she's done. Motherfucker, we know what you did. Yeah, we, we were here. The, we know the hits. We know the numbers. Yeah, like we've been here. We've seen you do this. You don't need to remind us. What you need to do is put out good music. Yeah, you need to keep doing it. And sadly, this isn't the age for the, oh, I did this. Yeah, no, nobody cares. No, it's the, what are you doing now? And the album is trash. Um, I can't believe you even said that. You're like, oh, the beginning's good. I was so tight listening to that shit. I mean, it starts off, it starts <laughs> off decent. It's not something I go back and listen to before. Nikki album, I was like, okay, you're servicing your fans. It's not anything I necessarily, even like that Ganja Burn track, I can see that working. You know, I don't have to necessarily like a song to see that it works. Ganja Burn works. But then he goes off into some other bullshit. I'm like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> I'm, I applaud you for making it through the entire 19 songs. Yeah, that was a long night. The other reason Nikki's in the news, though, which is even more exciting and relevant than the whack-ass album, was because Safari, speaking of him, came and said Nikki stabbed him and on some like crazy domestic violence shit, stabbed him. And he had to fake it when they came and got him so she wouldn't get in trouble. And now he's letting all of that come to light. And then her response wasn't necessarily denying it. I'm, I'm, I'm now wondering, even beyond musically, and we'll spin this into a bigger conversation in a second, but I feel like Nikki, 
has a little Kanye in her. Where she's always just a toe away from losing her shit. Like, you just um, can't walk around stabbing people. I mean, no, and, and I kind of tweeted some people. Some people got on me and some people agreed. I was like, yo, if it was Safari chasing Nikki around with a knife, be oh, it'd be a rap. It'd be a totally different conversation. But because of Safari, like, the double standard still holds true. Like, a lot of this equal, 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 it doesn't, doesn't ring true. Men are still, men can still be the victims of domestic violence. But if we say that, be like, people be like, yo, you pussy. Like, that's what'll happen. That's just the way it is. Like, if Nikki really stabbed Safari, like, Nikki should be behind bars. Or people should be holding Nikki to the fire like they've held men to the fire for abusing women. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the case. People laughing at Safari's hairline and all this other stuff. Look, man, women, like, women, men, people have issues. And Nikki, yeah, she could be like Kanye. I mean, shit, Rihanna's the same way. If anybody ever read the profile on Rihanna about a year after the Chris Brown thing, where Rihanna talks about trying to hit him with, like, a piece of glass, like a, like a, a piece of coffee table glass, I believe it was. You remember, like, these Caribbean, like, she's nuts. I was about like, to say, these Caribbean women. <laughs> yeah, she, dog, dog, she's nuts. Like, it's, it's Rihanna, not to say that anybody ever deserves getting their ass whooped or, or Safari being stabbed because we don't know what happened. But the fact is, like, somebody like Nikki, yeah, she's a little bit off. Like, just because... All that money does is enhance who you already are. So if you're insecure, you're just insecure with money. So it's like she may be a little bit, a lot of bit richer, but there are still issues that, you know, therapy may, might be able to help. Like it's not something that you can disguise with money. Money makes you feel better for a minute, but then you remember who you are. And maybe Nikki's just as like who she is or whatever. Maybe she has a violent streak, whatever it is. Safari putting that out there and kind of playing it all to the left. Like, every diss that Nikki had for him and, like, the barbs were coming at Safari, I applaud Safari for not really jumping in and being like, fuck you, bitches. Like, he didn't do any of that. He what was wrong with his off. hairline? Oh, he's got a fake hairline. You ain't know? No. I thought I saw Tiger's fake hairline. Yeah. Like, and Nikki, Nikki said something about it, and then Safari was like, yeah, me and Tiger did it the same day, just the different doctors. Like, he, he admits it. Oh, like, he, like he got the doctor hairline. Like, he went yeah. all out with the brawn. Yeah, like, like $12,000. He Like, he went and got his shit fixed. But yeah, he admits it. It's not even that worth it, though. I don't, look, man. Like, <laughs> I, me, me personally, like for Nikki to talk about Safari's hairline, it's like somebody tweeted: "The only thing real on you is your skeleton, son." That's Damn. exactly like how can you how can you be riding on Safari's hairline when we know, like I look, I know for I'm not going to tell me tell I'm not going to reveal my sources. Good journalism, at hand. <laughs> In, in like 2009, I went to dinner with, with some people that I know um, who are names in this industry. And if I say them, you'll know exactly who they are. I was told from somebody who works very close with Young Money that Nikki's enhancements were done by Young Money because she was insecure. So it was like... I believe like, that. It fit the whole gimmick, too. Yeah, like, I mean, this is not, it wasn't something that Nikki did even beforehand, because if people saw it before, Nikki had, like, no ass or nothing. No nothing. But, but when she signed the Young Money, there was an investment made on her body. And I saw her shortly after those, those early surgeries. And then she got more work done. So it was like, and, and I was told back then, it was like, oh, because they were like, oh, you're cool with Nikki. Nikki has talked about you. I was like, yeah, 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 we're cool, whatever, whatever. And it was like, yeah, you know, and then it just started talking about how insecure she is, da da da. And I was like, wow, really? 
And then as time progressed, I've started recognizing how insecure she really was and how her ego was. And I'm not saying she's a bad person, but this is what it is. It's and not the industry for that. It, it puts a, a magnifying glass over you. Yeah, and she can't handle the heat. Like, right now, she's she's threatened about falling off. So it's like she's attacking Safari, but Safari's not indulging in none of this nonsense. So. He doesn't have to. Listen, yeah. he's getting his checks. Loving hip-hop. This yeah. is just going to make him more relevant. He's actually a funny dude. Like, when I watch the Love and Hip Hop show and shit, like, he, he's one of the most normal people on that show. Yeah, which is crazy, because I, I I don't really think you could be normal on a reality show, but... um, Dre, yeah, you're you going to find out when we get this uh, love and journalism of Las Vegas popping. Listen, reverse Rat Pack in the building, we will be on a small network. I think we're not going to get, like, one of the bigger ones. But listen, I'll take, like, an oxygen or something. You're wild. That's TV One. Can... Listen, we'll be on TV One. Dog, nobody will care that much to watch us. You they say don't. this all the time, but people yeah. care about everyone. I know someone who watches Little Women of Atlanta. Can you believe yeah, this that's shit? Different. Little Women of Atlanta. Oh God, nobody's watching this. Anyway, move <laughs> on. <laughs> Listen, don't don't crush don't crush the movement. Let's let this money work for us. Put it out into air, Dre. It, it's it's coming on. So. um... The next phase of this, though, we talked about, you know, Caribbean women got a little, little extra kick to them. And we talked about the Nikki situation. It's time for story time with Oman Andreas and Kel. So I need to know, because, you know, past life, past life, of course. I know when you had the curls for the girls and you were running around like a little hooligan on the streets. I know you ran into a crazy girl or two. I need the craziest girl. And it doesn't even have to be a girlfriend. Like, he'd be stalker. I feel like he told me a story about a chick who wouldn't leave Yeah, I did. I think that was, I think that's the craziest one. The girl that, you know, saw the inside of my room and started running her mouth telling people that I slept <laughs> with her. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not even crazy. That's just like No, nah, man, that's crazy. Like, if, if women, look, dog, women who, who brag about smashing a dude, like, I had never seen that before. Like, that was otherworldly, and I it, I had to defend myself and be like, yo, I didn't sleep with her. And they were like, oh, yeah, you did. You slept with that fat girl. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Why would she lie? I don't know. Like, <laughs> why would she lie? Like, she was like, she describes your room. Yeah, because I told her to get out. But then nobody wanted to believe that. that. I mean, that's, like, really the crazy story. Or the girl who um tried to snatch my chain in the club on some Debo shit. Like, rolled <laughs> Was she, like, baby D? Like, how big was she? Like, she wasn't big at all. Like she was small, and um, so yeah, man. I mean, come on. I, I, was, I wasn't, you know, I was in a little cap league. Have a curl. Like I never, I didn't keep one. I kept many. Um, but I had her thinking she was one. Cause, and I know you've seen some crazy ass chicks. Though. Like even stuff. Once again, I being at BT, being in the industry, going to album, you know, album listening parties and all this shit. Just seeing crazy girls do wild stuff to get in places has to be bananas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of that. I mean, look, there was a weird, and this, this one isn't too far gone, but um, I think it was like 2013, and I was, uh, so it was recent, and I was, I was at a Wiz Khalifa show, and I was interviewing Juicy, I was supposed to interview Juicy J, and um, Will from Taylor Gang is a friend of mine, and Will was like, come to the concert. Um, and then we'll get you back there with um, Juicy and, damn, what's her name? The girl. I can't remember the girl's name. She used to be a, a video chick. 
And then she started rapping. Why can't oh, I be um, right? Galore? No, no, no. Oh, damn. I know you talking I can't about. think of a name. I can't think of a name. She was in Trey Song's video. Why can't I think yeah. of a name? Ooh, um, cool. Anyway, whatever. I'll look it up, yeah. So I get there, and Will's like, hang out here, da da da, and then come to the side area. Now, Wiz is performing. And I've met Wiz a few times, and we did video stuff with Wiz. So I'm standing there, and these girls are like walking behind me. And I'm, they're like, and you know, I'm older now. Like when you're younger, you'd be like, oh, the cute girls are with me. I'm gonna let them, you know, let them rock, see if I can get it backstage. Lola Monroe, business. by the way. That's it, Lola. Um, I'm I'm about my business on this night. I don't really feel like being at this concert, and these girls are following me, and I'm like, yo, where are you going? They're like, we're going backstage with you, and I'm like, no, you're not. And they're like, why not? Why you so sedity, nigga? Da 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 da. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, yo. So I t- I point somebody was on. I think Chevy Woods was on stage. And I'm like, yo, son, get these girls, man. I, I got to come back there and do this business. And they and they start going like they just start taking off their clothes. Like we got to get backstage and like we got. And I'm like, yo, does everybody see this? Like, and then they started fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, gonna get backstage first. I first I thought they was gonna fight me. But then they got topless. The other girl, she got topless, and then they just started swinging on each other because they wanted to get backstage. I was just like, and Why I'm like, you need to do so topless. I'll never understand. But okay, I don't know. Go they on. were trying, they were trying to get the attention. I don't think Will was on stage. I think it was Chevy and somebody else because um, Wiz was performing and he was way over on the other side of stage. And so I was trying to make my way back because I need to interview Juicy. And then these girls they just wild out. They just. They, they saw me going back there and was trying to figure out how to get back there. Once I wasn't their ticket in, they thought if they were naked, they could get in. Once that didn't work, they turned on each other and just started fighting. This is, I mean, I've seen crazy. <laughs> That's the first one immediately comes to mind. That just is void of all logic. It, it was. It was <laughs> how is that the last result? Like, after being naked, there has to be a better plan C. No, nah, I mean, than fighting. That was frustration. It wasn't working. They were just like, it's not working. And they was like, you know, titties, everything was out. And well, not everything. They were topless. And I'm just like, and not even topless. They just pulled them out. And I'm just like, okay, well. And I'm like, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. I gotta work. Like, it's not that serious. And then I have no idea what happened. The next thing I know, they were fighting. <laughs> and I'm sure you bounced. Exit oh, yeah, stage I right. I didn't see the end of that fight. I was out. <laughs> yeah, that's a wild shit. What that's that's crazy. Um I believe it or not, like I was just I always thought I was attracted to crazy women um in my in my youth, but they just happen to be like normal crazy, I guess. I haven't had like a stalker or anything like that. I'm not big time yet. So that that has not happened and then now I'm I'm sure my fiance w- would act like one of the chicks on one of the lip, Love and Hip Hop shows and she ain't playing that shit. So I can't even have a stalker now. So, so that ain't going down. But I do remember, and my fiance listens to the podcast, babe, I love you, but I got to share the story. Um, it was when I think I was like newly divorced. And yeah, it was probably like six months after being divorced or whatever the timetable was. And I remember being, you know, wild in these streets and there was one chick who was just wildly clingy, like way too clingy, hopping up on me, um, just popping up at the crib. She was kind of like the chick off of the boondocks that granddad dated. 
uh, Killer Kung Fu Wolf bitch. It was like that. Yeah. Like where her face just changes and her eyes get dumb big. And I was like, oh, God, it's, this got to be the end of it. Um, side note, let this be a warning. Do not meet people on these like Tinder sites and shit like that. These people are batshit crazy and they're on those sites for a reason. So this chick was on there, yada, yada, yada. And I remember it got to the point where I was trying to cut her off and she got so desperate that she was like, you know what? I think I'm pregnant. Hmm. And literally it's the funniest shit to me. I, my response to her was congratulations. Let me know if you need help with the baby shower. And the look on her face was like, I punched her in the head. Like, she looked like I, I, I gave her a Ric Flair chop. Like, she was so disrespected. She's like, oh, my God, how can you say that? Blah, blah, blah. And all this. I was like, and if anyone knows me, I'm not shy. But like, when I was 21 in my marriage, I had three kids by 21. And I went in and I handled business. So the snip has been going for almost a decade strong. So I just looked at her. Like, she was dumb. Like, what are you talking about? Plus, other measures being taken in a situation. Everything wrapped up. I was like, yo, if you're pregnant, you're pregnant by someone else, or you're pregnant with emotion because you know I'm about to leave the, leave you. Either way, you're not pregnant with child. And literally, she, sent, she sat there and tried to convince me she was pregnant for a good hour, hour and a half. Like, I'm eating Capriotis and shit, playing Madden. Doing, like, everything normally. And then after a while, she was like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter to you. Lucky I'm not. And I was like, yo, what kind of weird-ass ploy is this? So that that oh. showed me that, you know what? Sometimes it's not good to know when a chick is batshit crazy and then try to ignore when a chick is batshit crazy. Can and we just... Can we just go back to the part where you said that she was pregnant with emotion, though? That's the part I'm stick that I'm stuck on right now. <laughs> That's what she was. She was she was full of emotion. She was pregnant with emotion. Oh she was not with child. There was there was nothing going on. She was not visited by said stork. Nothing happened. Um, not with me. It, it would have been the worst Mori episode in the world. Even though I would have danced on her, Cameron style. Um, no, but really, I was like, yo, that's so ridiculous. But that's the length sometimes batshit women go. And it's not even like, I was a struggling journalist at that time. Like, I was just divorced. I ain't have no dough. I'm like, yo, why? I, that's something I, else I don't understand. Women, why would you fake getting pregnant by a man or actually get pregnant by a man who has nothing at the time? Like, don't get knocked out by someone broke. You need to be like Blake Griffin's chick. And cash out on like 260k a month. Just yeah. willy-nilly. Just faking pregnancies. Getting pregnant by random ass dudes. It's a cold world out here, Dre. And there's a lot of crazy ass women. And that was like my first peak of, you know what? I should probably not talk to crazy women. And that's why when I got with my fiance and everything else, I was like, you know what? I am glad. People be like, I hear other people say, man, you've been married for so long when you were younger and then now you're engaged again all before 30 all this like yes thank god because i would never want to be single again like that shit it's a jungle out there i i, I couldn't handle it Dre. i'm not built for that life that's what i found out i'm not built for it and there's been other crazy chicks um rob who's on the show a couple weeks ago uh bso's own tried to warn me several times about several crazy women 
And thankfully, I heeded his warnings uh, most of the time and cut them off before. But he has one hell of a radar for the crazy eye. Hmm. But it might be all the four of the bros, though, and all the stories. Like, he, he just has, like, a radar. Like, you can see that shit from a mile away on social media and such. So he tried to warn me. He helped out a little bit. So I've been able to dodge the crazies. Uh, I've also never dated a Caribbean chick. Oh, yeah. So I, I think I dodged that bullet. I am happy where I am. I have lucked out in the grand scheme of things. I have not been stabbed by a significant other. Uh, I was once threatened to be run over by a car, but it's neither here nor there. It, it didn't happen. So, you know, threats are fine. As long as it, they don't go through with it, I say we're okay. Um, that's what I feel like crazy is. The next step of crazy is not my story, not your story. It's an actual crazy-ass story that happened in the world of MMA. And it's one that I felt like we had to talk about before we dove into the UFC. And that's Andrea Lee was on Twitter not too long ago. And I'll start by saying this. I, I feel bad for her. And it comes out that she was on some type of boat on a lake with her husband and her coach, in which I didn't even write the dude's name down because he doesn't deserve that shit. Uh, he, he doesn't even deserve to be mentioned because he's a horrible fucking human being. But he has a very clear swastika tattoo on his forearm that he said he couldn't get covered up, blah, blah, blah. It comes out that people said that the UFC has even offered to pay for the cover-up because he has to be a coach. He has to be seen on television, all this stuff. He's refused. Um, the arrest report that just came out this week detailed a, a long history according to you know witnesses in their house who lived there to train of domestic violence and it got to the point where they had to call the police on him and he bounced but he he was choking her damn near was in it looked as though he was ready to take it to the next level on some he might kill her this time type of shit um that situation which i feel like it, it's always in the background and it's hush hush and that shit's horrible but i, I feel like it's a big part of sports and it came to light and it came to light after she had just defended him for having a swastika and stuck up for him and said he was such a great guy and it comes out that you know what he is a piece of shit so it's interesting to see now and we've seen Dana White with Greg Hardy and, and you know second chances all this stuff how do you think the UFC handles this situation because it's at their doorstep whether they don't have a fight right now they're not in the public eye to talk about it but their next fight, it will come up. The next time she fights, it will come up. How do you think they handle it? To be honest, I don't know. And that, like, I thought about this, and I was like, I really don't know. And then, and it made it sound even weirder. I don't care. Um, and not because I don't care about Andrew Lee. I don't care about people getting beat up. <clears throat> the UFC is just not a very uh, – their, their moral fabric is kind of torn. So I don't necessarily buy them doing anything of importance. Um, they may – He can't even, coach anymore. No, I mean, like they can't represent fighters. Yeah, I mean, they have to get rid of them. Like, that, that seems pretty obvious. But then you just never know with the UFC. I mean, I'm sure they're going to get rid of them. Like, yeah, like, I, I mean, there's like an arrest warrant out for him. But even if she like denies it, because the arrest report was filled out by a good friend of hers who was staying at the house. If she said that wasn't the case, then he'll get off scot-free. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll get off scot-free. I think the law will handle this. So the UFC doesn't have to. So, so I guess they'll be bailed out in a way. Um, but it's just, 
I'm not surprised, man. <laughs> That's all I can really say. I, I'm just really not no, surprised. No, the guy has like, swastika tattoo. And allegedly, he was like, or maybe not allegedly, but I, I've heard, it seems that it's documented, that he was a, a former policeman who shot an unarmed black dude. Had taken well, leave yeah. and ended up as an MMA trainer. Like, on some random shit. The chick in the arrest report said he has an even larger swastika on his shoulder. <laughs> That's just not visible to most people. Um, it's some wild shit in that arrest report. And it's just like... And the biggest thing that stood out was the chick was like, we've heard it around our circles in our training camp, but I had to call the cops this time because I was staying at the house and it wasn't going to go down in front of me. Oh, okay. Well, that's what did it. Like, uh, so we can go down... Outside of your vision? Like, I, I was very confused by that statement. Like, uh, so as long as you don't see it, it's fine. Because allegedly the chick just showed up with black eyes and all this shit. And she's a fighter, so no one, like, you know, thought twice of it. But you see at the gym one day she leaves training. She comes the next, she got black eyes. She didn't get that shit in the octagon. Yeah. So it's it, wild, man. It's a weird situation. Um, and I feel bad for her because she, she defended him and... I was talking about it, maybe in a group chat or on Twitter or something. I was like, yo, I'm, I, at this point, I'm just thinking she defended him not to take an ass whooping. Possible. Like, if that's, the, if that's the case, like, everyone was got on her at the time for defending him and for having these tattoos and saying that was part of his past. He's such a good guy now, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know what? She might have just been trying to avoid an ass whooping. Yeah, could be the case. I hope, but, you know. This guy goes to jail and she moves on. That's yeah. always the tough part. That's the biggest biggest news in the UFC this week was that because they didn't have shit else going on. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's we're now in the point of the UFC where they announce Connor and nothing else matters. We'll we'll see what numbers Woodley can do, but I feel like they've kind of shit on that too. Because who's going to spend the money on Woodley's pay per view knowing Connor's is four weeks away? And they're both $60. Yeah. And we got Gennady. We got, there's a lot going on. It's, it's, it's a lot. But yeah, all the energy will be towards Connor. Understandably so. But yeah, I feel good. like it started already. It has. Um, that was it. That's all that really came out of UFC. Uh, there was actually a leaked document. Matter of fact, there's one other thing. USADA uh, leaked photo of who they tested this week. Cormier tested two times this week, three times recently since his last fight with Stipe. John Jones was tested this week. CM Punk was tested twice. Brock Lesnar was not tested. Now, it could be coincidence. Maybe he's busy with SummerSlam. I don't think USADA should care about that shit. But regardless, do you think Brock Lesnar is in position to come back before the end of the year? Or no. do you think he's not even in the protocol yet? I, th- I think he'll be he'll be back in January. This fight will happen somewhere in January or February. Um, but yeah, he's... It'll be in Vegas. So, I mean, the 30th card, December 30th, is damn near January. Well, he's that he won't be able to fight until January 9th, from what I've gathered. Um, oh, you crunched the numbers on this? You got yeah, your Dana Brooke on? His suspension won't end officially until January 9th. So, it'll have to be the late January card, early February. I mean, we'll see how the schedule goes, but that's what it seems like. Well, that's not bad, then. He got some time, but it was interesting. It was interesting to see CM Punk is still being tested. Um, Granny Ronda Rousey got tested until... Damn near recently, um, until she really decided to go into uh, pro wrestling and say, you know what, I'm done with this, and, and retired and Hall of Famer and yada, yada, yada. But she was tested even after taking her ass whoopings. Do you see CM Punk continuing to fight? 
No. The last time was a charade. Yeah, I, I just don't like after that last ass whooping. It just kind of looks like, well, what's the point? Like he did it, he tried it. He's not going to get any better at it. He waited too long to, to start. He's got enough money. He's good. He'll 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 write some more comic books or some shit like that. Yeah, still being tested is odd. And do you think Cormier being tested three times says anything? No, it says nothing at all. Just uh, yeah, I think he was the most tested athlete, which is weird. Um, but then again, if it's random, it's random. And Chubby Cormier gets tested and passed the test. Uh, John Jones in protocol again. Looks like his suspension may be ending soon. What's next for John Jones? He ain't getting Cormier. Or will he? Um, no, well, Cormier, well, if you said the fight's not taking place till February, Cormier's out of here in March. Unless they put the whole bag, the, throw the whole bag at Cormier and say, yo, fight one more time next summer against John. I'm not entirely like I know Cormier wants to retire forty, but so did Bernard Hopkins, and we saw what happened. With Bernard, you throw enough money at him, he's gonna he's gonna continue to fight, or he'll fight again. I think Cormier's smart enough to get out. Like if he were to fight John Jones one more time and lose, he'll retire. Um, and I think that'll be the end all be all for him. But uh, yeah, it's you know John. I don't. I think he's coming back as a heavyweight. I don't think he's coming back as a light heavyweight. He's big. If anybody's seen pictures of him, John Jones looks like he's walking around a good two thirty. Pretty big. I don't think he's fighting at 205 anymore. Well, yeah, but he hasn't really been doing anything. No, he hasn't. But I don't think, as he's gotten older, I think it's, I don't, I don't say it's difficult to make weight, but John gets a little tummy and he gets, you know, he gets a little fat when, he, when he's uh, usually not training. But now he's just getting big. So it's harder to cut, cut muscle than it is to cut fat. So I think he comes back as a heavyweight and he goes after Cormier or Lesnar. All right, that's not, listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at that. And to me, the light heavyweight division needs new blood. And light heavyweight division is trash. <laughs> Hopefully, Anthony Smith can make some noise because he's like him moving up from middleweight, middleweight to light heavyweight has been a blessing for him. Anthony Smith has looked amazing because the rest of the division. Who is does he like, fight next? He fights like the number three, right? Well, he, he uh, yeah. Well, he tried to step in to fight Manawa, and Manawa, I believe the UFC wanted to go in a different direction. I don't know. Um, but, you know, hopefully they don't move him too fast. But, they, yeah, that, that division... Luke Rockhold should have moved up. I feel like they just gave Luke a different fight. Oh, Wait, they're working on Luke Weidman, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's probably going to happen in New York. So Yeah, I feel but, like Luke should have moved up, though. Because if, if he has a chance of being a champion again, I think that division in the weight cut has kind of passed him by. Light heavyweight's wide-ass open. Yeah, light heavyweight's open, but I'd just like to see some new talent. I don't want to see a bunch of guys from middleweight moving up to light heavyweight. I'd rather see new talent. But we'll see. Yeah, I feel like that that division is is the biggest void of talent right now. And so unless we have an influx or some of these guys don't re-up with Bellator, because it seems like Bellator is just crushing it in those weight divisions and even with the youth and, and signing all these D1 great wrestlers to contracts. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're doing it right. Like, like I said, you always... You don't have to be worried about the competition, but you need to pay attention. And, you know, the UFC needs to pay attention to Bellator. Bellator is not close to taking the UFC out, but they're doing they're making all the right moves with the guys like Aaron Pico and, uh, Ruth. you know, yeah, Ed Ruth. Who's and, in the and, tournament, right? Yeah, Ruth's in the tournament against uh, Rory and Gracie. So it's like, you know, MVP. It's like they're all the young talent Bellator is picking up is flourishing. Meanwhile, the UFC is still resting on what they've already had, but... We'll see. I don't trust it. <laughs> um, that's pretty much the UFC in a nutshell, Then Let's talk boxing. Boxing, 
was equally as uneventful this week. I I feel like it's the calm before the storm. Right now, we're just gearing up for Triple G versus Canelo. And then even after that, we get a good follow-up. A nice little dessert course in Garcia versus Porter. Um, did you go to the Porter workouts? Yeah, I went there yesterday. It was, yo, it was the hottest. I heard it was hot as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was hotter than a Mayweather workout. I don't know how that happened. Cause I, and I went to Kenny, because, you know, Kenny and Sean have been on the show before. And I went to Kenny. I was like, yo, why y'all got the heat on? He was like, man, I ain't got the heat on. So what the hell's wrong with you then? Turn on the air. Do something. Shit. We, everybody <laughs> was sweating. Like, it was, it was rough. But I was there. Sean talked about, you know, fighting Danny. He actually called up. He said he wants to fight Errol Spence. He was like, if I beat Danny and Errol's not fighting Mikey, I need to fight Errol because we're the two best welterweights in the division that can fight right now. Uh, Terrence is, you know, obviously the top-ranked situation. Keith, nobody knows where, what Keith is doing. Nobody knows where Keith is at. And I'm not mad at it. Like I said, I I wholeheartedly believe that Sean Porter is going to be too much for Danny Garcia. I'd love to see Danny Garcia. I mean, I mean, I'd love to see uh, Errol Spence and Sean Porter. That, that's what I would really like to see. Um but, you know, he called him out. He said, I want that fight. So, I was, you know, it's like, finally, shit. Nobody's been calling out Errol Spence. Everybody, like, they're scared of him. No, He's now I feel like everybody wants to fight Errol Spence. It has become uh, fashionable in the past two months. Well, I mean, look, man, you can't be like this. You know, if Mikey Garcia is calling out a guy two divisions above him, everybody in the welterweight division needs to follow suit. Like, you can't have the little guy barking on the corner saying he'll fight him because it makes you look like a bunch of assholes. So, you got to call him out. Yes, somebody's going to give him a good fight. And I think Errol wants it. Errol wants to go through the best of the best. So we'll see. Keith Thurman's not on the horizon. Um, And then Tyson Fury fights this weekend. I'm not excited about the fight, per se. Um, But what happens after the fight could hold huge weight in the heavyweight division. One, does Tyson Fury have to impress with a KO? Does he have to impress the fans? Does he have to do this to sell what many believe is damn near a guaranteed fight, you included, I believe, with Wilder coming up later this year? I mean, we need to have, we, he needs to look good. Um, I don't think the fight happens regardless. I think you know, he's fighting Francisco Pionetta, two time title challenger, nothing special. Uh, but Fury needs to look better than he did in his last fight, where he just looked terrible. And he fought a guy who was like weight class too small and just beat him up. But it was it was a terrible fight. But he, he needs to look good against Bayonetta. Uh, Deontay Wilder is going to be calling the action from ringside and fully expect these two to go face-to-face. Um, and it looks like, you know, the, the rumors are Vegas, you know, before the end of the year. So I don't think it really matters. I think it's in his best interest to look exceptional in this fight, though. Yeah, I feel like he has to be offensive in this fight. Like, we, everyone knows his deal. Everyone knows that he wants to ugly up the fight. Uh, just land a little bit more than you, like a, like a very heavyweight Floyd Mayweather. He wants to trap you. He he wants to make you overly technical and take away your power and say you got to beat me in this type of style. Um, I don't think he has. I don't think he can do that now. Like that's something you do at a high level when someone else has power. Yada yada yada. But I I think here you have to show off against someone who's lesser lesser than you and you have to build intrigue you have to build the hype anthony joshua's coming out and fighting like you you at this point wilder or fury whoever wins it doesn't matter they're going to have to fight joshua both fights are huge fights and you have to look impressive somewhere along the way 
to sell that fight. And you have to look impressive to get as much money as you can out of Wild or out of Joshua. Because if not, he's going to take everything. Well, I mean, Anthony Joshua can fight a tomato can in London and fill that place up with 90,000 people. So that's a distinct advantage he has over just about everybody. Um, but yeah, in order to get a, a piece of that pie, you need, you need to look like a threat. And, uh, you know, Wilder against Fury is an interesting fight. Now, I know you say Fury likes to ugly it up, but you need to watch some of his other fights, too, because he just was beating the shit out of people. Um, yeah, yeah, to... over, like, when, when he's better competition, he has that mean streak. Well, I'm That saying, wasn't like, the case. Like, I mean, last fight was ugly. Well, the last fight he had been off for two and a half years. In the Klitschko fight, he had to fight ugly against Klitschko because Klitschko was beating the shit out of everybody up to that point. But other than that, Fury can make an exciting fight if he wants to. He's a giant dude with a great jab. Um, he's a tremendous boxer. He's a supremely underrated boxer, but he has power as well. So him and Wilder is actually a very intriguing fight. Uh, but, you know, the winner of that, will they fight Joshua at Wembley in April? I don't know. Probably not, the more that I'm thinking about it. Because if, if Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight in December, it's hard for me to believe that if, unless one of them signed to fight Wilder beforehand, which I don't think will happen, I don't see them turning around to going to Wembley. Maybe Tyson Fury, not so much Deontay Wilder. He's got a mandatory against Dominic Brazil that's still lingering out there. I think Dillian White is lingering around for Anthony Joshua. I, I kind of think that a Joshua against Fury or Wilder doesn't happen until the end of 2019. Damn, that's a long way away. Every time I talk to you, you push this off further and further. Yeah, I mean, this Wilder-Fury thing really changes the dynamic of everything. If those two fight and they're arguably two of the best heavyweights, it's hard to see them turn it right around like 90 to 120 days later and fighting Joshua. Um, Got to strike you know, while the iron's hot. Yeah, but the iron's always going to be hot. Like, this fight's not going to go away. If Wilder beats Josh, I mean, Wilder beats Fury, that Joshua fight becomes huge. Maybe he signs on. I'm not entirely sure. They may hold out. Because I think it becomes a, a money dispute. I think it becomes a legitimate money dispute at that point. Yeah, because Wilder would then have a pay-per-view to compare versus no pay-per-view. Yeah. Which is a huge difference. Yeah, so. and I mean, you know, again, Joshua's filling up arenas with 90,000 people. So it's like you got two things that you're, you're banking on. Where's the fight's going to be? The pay-per-view. It's a lot. It's a lot for them to figure out. Yeah, and then um, before we move on to pro wrestling to end off the show, Floyd Mayweather just tweeted a picture of Javante Tank Davis versus Abner Mares, 2018. It's bullshit. It's a, it's a makeup poster. Abner called him out. Javante's responding. Javante says he wants to fight TJ Dillashaw, which is a bad idea. He wants to fight Abner Mares, which is a good idea. Well, I think he, he works TJ in a boxing match. But Even though TJ... He wants no. to fight him in an MMA fight. He doesn't want to fight him in a boxing ring. No, TJ, uh, two days ago, said, you know what? If you're too much of a girl to fight me in MMA, I'll fight you in boxing. He's oh, like, man. I've sparred with Lomachenko. I have people who can help me box. Don't, don't, don't nobody care about Like, look, I don't care about the shit that ain't going to happen. That, that's, that's not going to happen. So, but Javante, fine. Fight Abner Mars. I'd like to see it. TJ, just leave that shit alone. Listen, Zufa Boxing's desperate. Zufa boxing is not happening. That shit's, that shit's on life support. Did no, Dana just make a quote about that? Dana said he can't. He can't figure out how to do it. Like he can't. It's just too much resources to figure out boxing. He's not doing that shit. No, because Connor was an anomaly, and he got yeah. hype off the Connor thing. It's like, nope, not happening. Um, yeah. So that's the poster. Listen, we're just putting it out there. That would be one hell of a fight if it did come to fruition. Uh, let's talk about pro wrestling, though. New Japan G1 Climax Final. 
uh, before last show, I think we had just we didn't even watch the A and B block finals. Mm-mm. So start off with those. The A block final, which obviously was going to be the best match on that side of this entire tournament, Tanahashi versus Okada. So much history there. I predicted Okada would win. I think you felt the same. We were both wrong. The ace ended up winning and moving on to the finals in one hell of a match. And at the end, he was just killing Todd. Yeah, I mean, it was a draw. Okada got super desperate trying to land that Rainmaker. I mean, look, man, I I had no clue that Tanahashi would do what he did in this tournament. And he went 8-1-1. And then he put on some great performances. Even though the A block was weak, like kind of how he came to show and uh, being Okada is like the ace still has one up left left up his sleeve. So that, that was impressive. That was really impressive. I let my feelings be known on Twitter. I will say it here. I didn't think this was the best booking decision. Um, and not to say Tanahashi's not a good wrestler and all this stuff. He's just not going to give you the same quality of match as, you know, a, in the final against Okada or Ibushi that Okada would have. Yeah, you were wrong. So, um, and we'll talk about how it ended up, but even then I I think Okada would have been a better option and and their history there, but I understand wanting something fresh and new. So then we have Ibushi versus Omega, two friends going at it. Uh, Man, they didn't hold anything back during this match. The ending was perfect with Abushi knowing that he just has to finish off Omega to get to where he wants to be. And Abushi pulls out the win. And man, I, like I said, one, New Japan not having a DQ rule at all is amazing. I'm just going, every every match is a no DQ match at this point. Well, no, they have DQ matches. I mean, there's, there's a DQ. When was the last time you saw a DQ? The entire tournament. The goddamn, like, the oh. Final- they got DQ'd every match. Yeah. <laughs> like if you do That's what it takes, like, yeah. If, yeah, if you do something blatantly in front of the ref. Yeah. Tonga got damn near DQ'd in every match. Yeah. Oh, uh, but if you do something blatantly in front of the ref, you get disqualified. Like you get DQ'd. If you do some But shit, you can leave the ring for like three minutes, do backflips off and shit, and be well, fine. Yeah. If the referee follows you and doesn't administer a count, you're fine. I mean it's very loose rules, but I'm here for it. I don't care. No, yeah, I love that shit. I just, I don't even, I don't think there should be a DQ. But yeah, obviously, Tamatanga just coming in and wrecking people and Fale cheating all the damn time for Tamatanga. I guess that does deserve a DQ every now and then. Um, But we had the Bushi Omega match, which, man, even, even before then, it was Ishii versus, man, who kicked it off? Ishii versus someone. Ishii and Sonata. And Sonata, yeah. which was a great match to start, yeah. really start the ball rolling on the B block uh, final day. And then we had Naito losing. Yeah, I mean, like, I was like, what the fuck? And, and, and the funny thing was that Naito lost this match the same exact way he lost to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. He tried to go for the Destino twice, trying to be that Stardust superstar, got his ass caught up and beat. It's the second time that it happened to him. And it, it's it's another story. It's another story to tell. It's like you have to let go of the attitude where you need to or you need to show off. Like finish him when you have the opportunity. And he didn't do that. He went for a second Destino on Saber, 
And Zaber hit him with a Tachi Michinoku driver and finished his ass off. Yeah, Zach Saber with a power move shocked the hell out of me. Well, that's his new finisher. The the Michinoku driver is Zach's his his pinfall finisher. So you know he picked that with Suzuki Goon and he, I mean, and he him Naito. Omega and Ibushi all ended up with 12 points. It's just Ibushi had the tiebreaker. That's crazy. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, Man, all of them looked great throughout the tournament. Not a bad match. Came down to the final two matches. That was perfectly booked. Uh, Ibushi wins over Omega in a match where I thought that was one of their best matches of the tournament. I don't think it was Ibushi's best or Omega's best, but it was damn good. Yeah, Ishii was, was the MVP of the tournament. I can give a fuck what anybody says. I know people said Abushi, but Ishii fucked it. Ah, this last match, this last well, match, yeah, might have put Abushi over the top, but Ishii was right there because halfway through, I was like, "Yo, this is his tournament." But the past two, three years, well, yeah, he's he's a legend in <laughs> G one. He's an absolute legend. Uh, but yeah, then we had the final, and then in the final. Tanahashi versus Ibushi, where I was like, no way, no how. Shout out to Rob Parker. This shit is happening, and Ibushi is losing this match. And then Ibushi lost the match. And it was a it was a fucking great match. Amazing match. Like un like there this the the you know, it was about the early portion of the match was about the ace being the smarter guy, countering, not letting Ibushi get any, any momentum. And then when he tried to go into a striking match with Ibushi, Ibushi took the upper hand. Then these two just bumped like crazy, slapping the shit out of each other. Slapped the hell out of each other. Like the the, the spot where uh, Ibushi's just clobbering Tanahashi and Tanahashi just puts his head and charges forward. I was like, yo, like this match. And I watched this live. Like usually I just wake up early in the morning and watch it. Like I stayed up to watch this shit. And this match was legit. This was a legit, I'd give it, it's a five-star match. I thought it was, it had all, all the drama um, an exceptional match, and Tanahashi pulls out the win to the, much of the surprise of everyone. I, I thought it was Ibushi's time, especially when Tanahashi won. Um, I, you know, I thought at this point the ace was there to put people over. Nope, and he's got one last guy. Got one last ride in him. Um, now, now we turn towards Wrestle Kingdom, and does he make it with that contract? He already called out Okada. Yeah, he's going to beat Okada. I, I don't think there's it, – it doesn't make any sense for Okada to win. I think Okada is still in his identity crisis. And if we're going to tell the right story here, Tanahashi is being booked exactly how John Cena should have been booked. Like Tanahashi is a guy who he'll, he'll get injured, he'll lose some matches, but then he'll find that stride like a Robbie Lawler, for instance, and just start beating everybody again. And his last loss to Okada was the one where people were like, okay, it's over. Okada broke Tanahashi's uh, title streak. Um, and that's the final nail in the coffin. That's not necessarily the case. And if Tanahashi beats Okada, it makes the, the Omega match that much more interesting. So I think Tanahashi goes over on Omega. Uh, I mean, not Omega, on Okada when those two fight probably a king of pro wrestling. Um, and with what I, what I would expect Ishii and uh, Omega to run it back as well. So, yeah, I, I, think, I don't think there's going to be any exchanging of the, uh, the, uh, the contract that wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom. I think we're going to get Tanahashi and Omega. I mean, that that's fine, and I'm sure they'll tell a great story leading up to that. Uh, we still have to see how the firing squad bullet club thing works out between now and then with Okada and Tamatanga. That has to play a role or do something with it. 
because that was a huge storyline in this G1. So there, there's still so much left in the air. I Listen, it might just be me and me not wanting to see Tanahashi in the spot in the first place, but I think he might drop the contract. Nah, I, don't, I really don't see them doing Okada and Omega again at Wrestle Kingdom. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't be terribly bad at it because I think it would be another excellent match. But I think to really put Omega in that spot, um, beating the ace is where it's at. These two, I think they've only wrestled once uh, since Omega's been on New Japan. I think it was like some random show at that. So I think it's, it's smart. I mean, this is, if, if this is the way Tanahashi is getting ready to go out, even though we've been saying this for the last couple of years, this would be the way to go out in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom and losing to uh, Kenny Omega. Meanwhile, I'm curious. Like, the one person I'm really curious about is Chris Jericho. Jericho took that belt and bounced. He'll be he'll be around soon. He's gonna have to defend it probably King of Pro Wrestling or one of the uh, Destruction and Kobe or one of those shows. But uh, he's gonna. I, I have. And a he's not gonna he, lose it. So he's probably, going to Wrestle Kingdom against. Well, that's what we got to see. Could we see a Jericho Nokata match? That's possible. That's not bad. Uh, I wonder if Jericho would bump for Ishii. Man, that's a. I don't know. The styles don't match very well. I think that Jericho will be on some. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> like, trying nah. to kill me. <laughs> like, nah, I'm not fucking with this guy. Rebook that. Um, now, nah, yeah. So, I mean, twists and turns. The final two days, neither of us were right in the predictions, and that's what G1 does every year. Somehow, some way, they end up booking it so it's perfectly placed to shock the hell out of everyone on the final day. Just when we think we know what's going to happen. They always change it up. So great job by New Japan. Can't wait to see what plays out. Uh, it's kind of a lull in New Japan. Great matches and, and cool stuff, but they, they're they as close as you get to a wrestling offseason. Yeah. They do the tag team, the heavyweight tag team tournament, which I have no interest in most of the time. Um, looks like the Young Bucks will be in it, though. So maybe that'll be okay, but I don't watch that shit. It's just now we're on coasting mode through the fall into G1. Well, we, like I said, we got the new Destruction and Kobe shows in September. We got the G1 special in Long Beach. And then we have the King of Pro Wrestling in October. And then there's... Oh, King of Pro Wrestling is always pretty big. Yeah. But I mean, that's outside really... Outside that, like, nothing really changed. Like, belts don't change hands. Usually st- stuff just status quo. They set up the feuds for Wrestle Kingdom in G1. Well, fools lose. And those King of Pro Wrestling fo- shows, people lose. And there's other titles to be lost. Like, like the Never... Yeah, I'm about to say, like, the Never Overweight title. I like, mean, that the, shit's the, always... The ice- the IC titles change hands. The uh, the junior heavyweight titles change hands. King of Pro Wrestling. So it's very likely that we can see a couple titles change hands these next two shows. Those smaller belts. The the tr- the contract and the main title would matter. And I think uh, even though I want the contract to change hands, it probably stays the same. And we know our main event. Which, nothing ever wrong with a six-month build to something. WWE can take notes on that. Um, let's talk about TakeOver. Which does have a six-month build. Shit, it has longer than that. We're getting a main event, last man standing match between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And by accident. By accident. But we got the whole feud by accident. Or at least the good parts of it. I I feel like it's just in the stars. Shit is just aligning for them perfectly and for this trilogy. And Aleister Black, it sucks. He was finally going to be the main event. I felt like they were really going to make him feel special. 
But the injury happens. He's out until, they say, maybe October, November. And he'll come back and he'll be in the title picture again because he never truly uh, got a chance to regain his belt. But that being said, this is a perfect ending to Gargano versus Ciampa. The belt had to be a part of it. At least we think this is the perfect ending. We don't even know it's over. But, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Well, it's not over. You think you're going to keep it going? I don't, I don't know. Like, this, I have no idea what the plans were before this triple threat match. And now that the triple threat match is here and it's gone and they're doing this last man standing, like, I still feel like this is a hell in a cell blow off. I still feel like, put this shit in the cage. Last man standing, like, I've said it a billion times. I don't like last man standing matches. The flow just gets broken up with a ref jumping in every time somebody goes down and starts counting. But maybe this is it. Um, maybe not. I'm not entirely sure. I hope that this is it. Um, this seems like the perfect moment to give Johnny his shot. And I to say, okay, you hold the belt. Here it is, Gargano standing on top, full baby face again. He went through the full roller coaster of emotions. You know, good guy, bad guy, torn. Tommaso Ciampa turned him into something he's not. But in the end, he's Johnny Wrestling, and he's your NXT champion for now. I totally disagree. I think the best thing to do, like, Ciampa is the best thing going to NXT right now. And having a complete asshole heel on top, is the best decision you can make. And if he beats Johnny Gargano again, that's even better. Because the other problem is there aren't too many, uh, you know, if Johnny Gargano wins, what's next? Like, it really feels like... Adam Cole, baby! Hmm. See, there's no logic to me in Adam Cole dropping the North American title to chase after the main title. It just is. There's there's no logic in that. He can talk his way right into that. Like but, that that takes like two seconds of you know it, what? It's I was done with that belt anyway. I'm on to bigger and better things. I've set my sights on blah blah blah. But then you just leapfrog everybody else, which it just makes no sense to. Who me. else is there? EC3. EC, I wouldn't mind EC3, but also a heel. Is he? Yeah, he is. You sure about that? I think I, way, him, him and Dream are heel versus heel. You sure? I'm because positive. And they're both both over, both heel versus heel. Like, but my point is, is that I think there's a little bit more intrigue in in uh, Ciampa holding the title and then facing Alistair Black when he comes back than Johnny Gargano being champion. And, uh, you know, being a babyface of the champion, it's not really the same. It's like the completion of a story. Gargano doesn't necessarily need the title. Ciampa is a guy that now that he has it, it doesn't make much sense for him to drop it three weeks later. I think I think I thought he was gonna drop it anyway. I don't I, I didn't. I thought that, that Black and, and Gargano being in that match is it's a loophole. It's a way to get out of that out of there and not look bad. Like, you know, Black can land the, the uh the, the black mask, hit Gargano and Ciampa sneaks in and gets the pin. Like that's how I figured that shit would happen. Um, now there's one on one. I still think Gianta's the guy with the, with the title. I just think he's the best option. It Johnny Gargano as a champion looks good to end Takeover, but after Takeover, it's not as good. It's not as intriguing. It's not. It's it's like it's time to have a real run with the title because all that everybody has done for the past two years is win the title, drop it, and go to the main roster. I'd rather see Ciampa hold on that shit for like a year. It won't be. It won't happen. I think he'll drop in like January or maybe uh, Survivor Series. But I think it's best for him to at least get a title defense in. Yeah, I think Survivor Series is the next pay-per-view, and I think he drops it there. 
I just, well, him or Johnny. One or the other. They're both dropping it there. I, I don't want a hot potato title, and I've said this a billion times. I think it's pointless. It, it, but you need the right guy with it. And not saying Ciampa is not the right guy. Ciampa's the right guy. But Adam Cole is is better with it, in my opinion. And he doesn't even have it yet than the Ciampa. Nobody gets more heat than Maso Champion. Nobody. No one's more over than Adam Cole, even as asshole. No, but Ciampa, Ciampa as a heel champion, there's nobody gets more heat. And there's when we have a baby face chasing the title, it's, there's nothing better than having your, your best heel on top. Like, for instance, when Triple H was champion and was champion for a long time, people wanted to see him lose eventually. The problem was that Triple H just started burying people along the way. <laughs> but... When you have great heel champions, like Ric Flair was a tremendous heel champion who just drew heat wherever he went. So when you have guys like that, you got to take advantage of it. Adam Cole, as much as he's a heel, he's still very over. Super and, over for a heel. And, and I, him, him holding the title, does, I don't think it does as much for the title as Ciampa right now. Like Ciampa is, he's, he's the best personality that they have right now. He's the best heel. And he's an incredible wrestler. His time is his time is right now, and I think he should carry that title for some time. They have so much talent that could take the title, though. Um, EC3 is another one who yeah. is more than able to carry the title, and he'd be better than Bobby Roode ever was with that belt. But you there's know, so much talent. Booking. Yeah, it just it really depends on booking it, and there's too much talent it's just there's just they got to make room for all these people and it's like takeover has got five matches which is great but it's like the fact that there's no keith lee pete dunn is on a goddamn pre-show it's like damn man like, y'all gotta expand the show you gotta do something it's just too a, much a machine ain't in the match. they i will not the pre-show uh dunn is wrestling somebody from the uk on uh, it'll be televised on next week's uh nxt but it's happening before the, the uh pay-per-view portion of okay Pay-per-view. he's uh defending his belt i'm assuming yeah, he's defending because somebody who's probably on NXT UK, and I can't remember his name. Yeah. Oh, oh, the guy who won that shit, the UK tournament. Can't remember his name. Whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just there's so much talent that you don't you don't have War Machine, you don't have Keith Lee, you don't have Cassius Ono who usually shows up to lose to somebody. Yeah. Um, uh, there's so many tag teams that like our War Raiders look like they have next, but then we have this. I actually like the feud between the Mighty. And the Street Profits. Um, Heavy Machinery has been involved in that. So naturally, one of those three should bump up. But War Machine's there already. It's it's crazy. I I think there needs to be two legit tag team feuds going on. Uh, Even if that bleeds over to a pay-per-view. And they just don't have enough spots. They need to go another hour. I mean, they do. They do. Or just fucking stop signing all this talent. But If you give me six hours of main roster bullshit... With four hours of it is bullshit. Then you can at least give me three hours of really quality NXT. Yeah, well, hopefully they figure it out. Um, let's talk about the rest of the card. Yeah, all right. So we have Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. Uh, Kyrie Sane loses. I totally agree. I think we see the other two horsewomen of MMA show up and cost Kyrie Sane her chance at the title. And we see the formation of that faction start taking shape before we get the full four women together for Survivor Series. You know, I just realized something about you. You are a Vince Russo booker. I'm not a Vince Russo booker. That should make sense. Look, look, look. Here's why you're a Vince Russo booker. And when people listen to this and you go back and think about it, they'll agree with me. 
You book so many fucking run-ins, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it makes sense. Pay-per-view, you fantasy book a run-in. Shayna Baszler should just beat Kyrie Sane. Listen, I like clean matches, but some shit just makes sense. <laughs> they signed them for a reason. They did, but it doesn't have to necessarily be for a run-in. I think, I think it's best right now if Shayna Baszler just beats Kyrie Sane. Because, and my reasoning behind this is because Baszler has been improving, but she won the title very early in her NXT run. And Shayna Baszler without the title is nothing. Kyrie Sane without the title, still Kyrie Sane. She's still good. Also, what's actually more important here, Shayna Baszler has more options for feuds than Kyrie Sane does. Shayna Baszler has Candice LeRae. Shayna Baszler, which would be fun. I don't know how they're handling her, but Bianca Belair. Because as who much is a as heel? Who, who is booked like a heel, but... She's kind of over. She's she's running into that Adam Cole territory now where people just ooh and ah when she comes out. She's really good. But I don't think Bianca's going to get a title shot this quick. Maybe, maybe not. But I think your money match is Candice LeRae and Shayna Baszler. Even though they did it on NXT, I think there's still money in that match. Kyrie Sane being the champion, who's the heel? Who's the heel that comes after Kyrie Sane? I mean, I, I would put Bianca as that heel coming after Kyrie Sane. See, my... My concern with Bianca Belair right now is she's coming off of the injury and she's still green in some spots. So to go again, it's just you me. You love heel champions. I, 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 I love heel champions when the right baby face can beat them. You can't right? have all heels, though. Like all your champions Why are going to be heels. Why not? Sooner or later, a face has to catch the heel. Exactly. But give me a face chasing a heel. We don't have a real, like, the Gargano's chasing Champa. Judge Gargano was chasing Champa before the title, so that that makes sense. But Shayna Baszler, I think as the champion, there's just more options there. As a heel champion and as an established heel champion, I think it, it works. And it, like more than anything else, I like people to hold on titles for an extended period of time. I don't like hot potato titles. I really don't. I will tell you this: one title has to change hands. You're not going to go a whole pay per view without a title changing hands. I mean. Yeah, I agree that one title does, but if you ask me to put the whole thing, I don't think any titles change hands. Um, and I, like, because I, I think Adam Cole with the North American title and the Undisputed Era, and I'm projecting my predictions here, like they're better all having titles in the Undisputed Era. Yeah, I, I think they keep the tag titles. I think Adam Cole drops the title to Ricochet. Yeah, I, I don't. And let's go ahead and talk about this. Adam Cole dropping a title that he has not successfully defended on a major platform yet doesn't make any sense to me. Ricochet losing this title match, unless he gets another shot somewhere down the line and we extend the feud, which is hard to do with all this new talent rolling in. But it's possible. If we extend the feud, then fine. But I don't see it being extended. I think Cole gets elevated. You just really want Ricochet to win a title. I get it. Listen, yeah. What's wrong with wanting Ricochet to hold the belt? The thing is, Adam Cole needs a successful title defense. Like, how do you establish a title that nobody's defended yet? And this title was won in April. It's August. Successfully defend the title by hook or crook. And here's my crook, Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish is literally, his time frame was six months. He's supposed to be coming back in September, which he could be back at this pay-per-view. He may factor into the Mustache Mountain match, and he may factor into this. I think the Undisputed Era, like, people are, like, calling for him to go up. No. No. Keep them together. And, and have them hold these titles. And then what you can do, if you want to be real fun about it, is have Mustache Mountain lose to the, the Undisputed Era, have Bobby Fish come back, so him and Kyle O'Reilly have those titles. Let's make it fun. 
have Adam Cole give the title to Roderick Strong and then go after the main title. I'm with I, that. I'm not I, mad at that. I don't want him to lose to Ricochet because I think it's too soon. And then have Ricochet chase. Yeah, whatever, Ricochet. Like, you get off Ricochet. Why are you mad at Ricochet? What Ricochet do to you? I'm not. I'm just saying there's no rush in having Ricochet win a title. Like, I mean, and not, not at this particular pay-per-view. Like, maybe he gets the North American title at, at the next pay-per-view, whatever. All I'm saying is right now, Adam Cole needs to establish that title. And he, he needs to establish it with a title fence. And if Ricochet loses, I mean, personally, I'd like to see him lose by crook. But if he loses, like, some kind of nonsense, he should lose by some nonsense. That's all. No, I agree. But then we still have EC3 versus Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and I'm picking Velveteen Dream. Like, look, the logic says EC, like, Velveteen Dream doesn't need to win this match. He doesn't need to win any matches. He's kind of proven that to the point where his character is so good, he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to win anything. However, it would be nice to see Velveteen Dream get one over. They kind of put themselves in a tough spot because I really like this match, but I really don't like one of those guys to lose. Well, like, I mean, Velveteen Dream isn't hurt by losses. We've seen this. Right, but, you know, EC3 might be hurt by a loss, but I think, depending on how you want to frame Velveteen Dream as maybe a North American title holder, or maybe he's not a title holder. If he's not a title holder, he loses this match, and you forget about it. He's a character wrestler. It is what it is. He'll get called up to the main roster. He'll be on some Elias shit. Yeah, he'll be Elias. He'll be Goldust. He'll be that guy. IC title is your is your treat every three years. Right, which, you know, whatever. But, um... You know, EC3 looks like a guy who's ready for something big. I just, I'd like to see Velveteen Dream win a, win a match. That's all. He, the only person he beat on NXT TakeOver was Cassius Ono, who everybody beats him. Damn, you that know? was it? Yeah. He lost to Ricochet. He lost to Aleister Black. He lost the ladder match. Now he's getting EC3. He got to yeah. win sooner or later. That's but true, but I don't think this is that. I don't think this is that at all. Um, real quick, let's go through SummerSlam. Because yeah, we're not overly hyped about the main roster no. and the booking there. And it's a long-ass card. I looked at all the matches, and I couldn't believe this many matches are booked. And it's going to go over six hours. Oh, we're going to be there for a long time. Yeah, so um, let's start. The B team, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel versus The Revival. Um, I would have expected shenanigans, but it looks like Matt Hardy's hurt. So kind of like they're riding off Wyatt and all that stuff. Maybe we still get like a creepy Wyatt appearance. But all that's going to do is spook the B team, and I expect the Revival to win. I hope you're right. Um, the B team has been undefeated. But and I'm I think... booking another run-in, by the way. <laughs> Come on. You and these guys, you are Vince Russo. I swear to God. Like, I just, I just want the Revival to win straight up. They, they've, they have been a really good tag team for a long time. And they deserve a title run as some, as a heel tag team. Yeah. Look, I know I want my heel shit, but they deserve it. And I think Jason Jordan, talking about timetables, is reaching his timetable to come back. Nothing would get him a bigger pop than showing back up as part of American Alpha going against a revival. Well, yeah, go ahead and scrub the Jason Jordan, Kurt Angle son. Like, let's get rid of that entire angle. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Or, you know what, you, you got a half-brother. Because what's-his-face looks more like Kurt Angle's son than he does. It's whatever. Just let's act like that never happened. Kurt, Kurt gets around. <laughs> but yeah, that, it makes the most sense. Like, I'd like to see the revival hold those titles, though. And then um, Rusev and Lana versus Andrade and Amos and Zelina Vega. 
Uh, Cien Almas and Zelina Vega lose because they've been wrecking shop against Rusev and Lana. But I say Lana gets the pin. So Almas doesn't have to take his first official loss. Uh, you're probably right. Um, I was going to go with uh, Zelina Vega pinning Lana, but you're probably right here. I think Lana needs to get one up after all the bullshit that they've been through. So, yeah, sure, why not? And then, um, no, no, that's not next. Hold on. And Bludgeon Brothers versus The New Day. This is weird because if the Bludgeon Brothers win, I don't know who's next. So uh, The Bar probably gets another shot, even though they just came up a little short against The New yeah, Day. Yes. So it's like overall, it's like... Uh, and then, But then New Day winning the titles again doesn't even feel right either. I Five really, times. I really feel like they need to figure this shit out with Big E on the singles run. Like, it's it's getting ridiculous. Like, they don't need to break up for him to have a singles run. No. So, but I'm going to pick Bludgeon Brothers here. It just doesn't seem like... It's just, they're just not interesting as tag champions, though. So, I don't... They're like the Aleister Black of the tag team division. They look... They come in, they wreck shit, and then they win the titles here. Like, so... They're just missing something. Like, they needed that figurehead that was Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they definitely do. But now they're Bludgeon Brothers, whatever. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the New Day just to give like an, another little bit of flavor um, to the division and Bludgeon Brother. Just take them down a little notch. It, it seems like that would set up for a good Hell in a Cell match, and it's kind of up the theme of the Bludgeon Brothers. You know, like they, we lost our titles, but now we're going to take you to hell type of thing. Um, so I see that going down that way. Let's see, Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak. Cedric retains. And oh, yeah. this is a title that has a long-ass run. Yeah, it's a pre-show match. Um, yeah. Doing 205 Live dirty. So many other good matchups. Yeah, it's true. But uh, Cedric should win here. I mean... And Leo Rush is coming for that belt. Him or Mustafa like, yeah. Ali. It feels like Leo's is going to be that guy eventually. Um, great character. He's, he's better now that he's even been in ROH or like PWG. Like his personality is perfect. Well, they're letting him be him. He, yeah. He's just being his rapper self. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Cedric should be Gulak here. I'd be surprised if they took the title off of Cedric right now. Yeah, me too. Um, not against Drew Gulak. Not to say that won't be a good match, but it, yeah, he's not winning the belt. Uh, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. Finn's got to get this one. No demon or demon? Uh, no, like, it just, it, like, if they brought out the demon, it'd be, like, a cool aesthetic. But then the question would be, like, why the, sh- why the fuck did that just happen? Yeah, like, that you need the my- demon to beat Constable Corbin? It's like, yeah, fuck, like, but I, I do miss the demon. Yeah, so- I do. It'd be arbitrary. Like, if the demon came out, I'd be like, oh, that's great, but I have no idea why it happened. So it doesn't yeah. make sense. But either way, I think Balor has to win. I think Finn Balor wins as well. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. I keep saying this. I keep saying I feel like the Miz should win the first one. If, if I, I Finn, agree. This can't be the end. I'll yeah, give if, the Miz the win. If Daniel Bryan wins now, it's to me, it's over. You know, because everybody expected the better wrestler to win. No, let the Miz win the first one. And that doesn't have to be clean. It could be dirty as fuck. But I think that's the best route to go. Set it up. I mean, there there is this lingering thing that I've been thinking about that eventually, even though I hope they don't do it, that Maurice and Bree get involved in this. But uh, maybe, hopefully not. Um, hopefully they don't go that route. But either way, are I think you booking a run-in or shenanigans? Uh, this- 
I'm just, I'm just booking that the, the feud is not over and those two will get involved. Maybe not in this particular match, but I think those two will get involved because of the Miz and Misses, because of the Total Bellas thing. I think if they want to get more eyeballs on this and, you know, have some kind of extreme match at Survivor Series, their best bet is to extend this as far as possible and get as many players involved as they can. I agree. Uh, the Miz should win this one. Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy. I have Nak winning. But I don't know where this Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton thing goes. I, I think Randy Orton comes out and calls Jeff Hardy the match. Or it could all be a bluff and he calls Jesus Nakamura Christ. the match. I I don't fucking know. I don't Another know why point. Randy Orton's in this. All right, Vince Russo. Um, no, but you're telling me this run is not going to happen. He's been in the past four look, weeks. I'm just saying you've booked a run in for like goddamn every match. I mean, they um, have a lot of talent. This is the only way to get people in. It's sad, but it's the only way to fit people in. Um... I mean, I think Nakamura retains. Uh, There's been no heat on Nakamura at Jeff Hardy, really. The the heat has really been Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy. Um, So, you know, maybe Nakamura just wins clean and Hardy just gets destroyed by Randy Orton again and sets up their feud. And who's next for Nak? That's what's rough. Like, they're they're running out of baby faces on SmackDown. Well, yeah, they're in this really strange, like... (laughs) Everyone's a heel. Yeah, like, everybody's become a heel and then, you know... Dog, I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, that's that's weird. Because Knox is a heel. Like, you just, yeah, you get no no natural matchup. So, um, then we have Dolph Ziggler with Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins with Dean Ambrose. Are you not predicting a run-in shenanigans? They're on the run, apron. No, a run-in, they're there. Okay, so there's no, good, good, there's good. no run-in. Um, I think the logical thing that everybody looks at is Dean Ambrose to turn heel. I think yeah, it's everybody. On Seth. I, I agree. I'm picking the same thing. But I think that's that's projecting too hard. If they if they do it now, it's projecting way too hard. If they're smart, they slow play this a little bit more. Um, but Dean looks like a psychopath. He looks like somebody would turn. It just would feel weird for Dean to turn on Seth this quick with Drew in the corner of Dolph. I feel like it would need to be something else that would set Dean off. Could be wrong, but I, I think yeah, I think it's almost too easy for them to do this. Um, and I, I don't like turns that are too easy. You don't. They seem to like it. Um, but I, I actually think, I think, uh, I want to say Dolph Ziggler retains the title and then Finn Balor goes after Dolph. Okay, I'm not mad at that. But then what Drew, like, sooner or later, Drew has to turn on Dolph. Drew, yeah, I mean. Yeah, event, I could wait a while, though. I feel like Drew is in a, like, okay. If the main event goes the way that you want it to go with Roman Reigns winning, yeah. I think Drew McIntyre is the perfect guy to, to feud with Roman Reigns. I agree. I mean, unless you – yeah, if you don't want to put Lashley back there because Lashley did win one um, and they have a rubber match to settle, then yeah, sure. Yeah, but again, we'll see. I just – I think Dolph wins. I just – I'm not so sure about this Dean turn so quick. And then the Dean and Seth feud just I – don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to see this again. Not right now. I'm yeah. not ready for it yet. And then we have Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens winning in the bank. I think Braun Strowman holds on to it and remains monster in the bank. I'm in the minority. I, I mean, I think he does too, but I hope he doesn't. Because and I don't, if he I, loses, it'll be like by DQ or something. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, 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 what sucks is the money in the bank has been played so many times in title matches and pay-per-views that – the luster of Kevin Owens cashing in and beating like a Lesnar or Reigns wouldn't feel right unless it was like a total surprise. And it wouldn't be because if Kevin won tonight, I mean, at SummerSlam, 
then people fully expect him to be involved in that main event somehow. Um, personally, I think Kevin Owens is, I've said this like the past two years, he didn't win Money in the Bank. He's, I think he's great for Money in the Bank. I think he's the perfect asshole heel to carry that briefcase. Braun doesn't need it. Braun no. is so, and I like Braun. He doesn't need to ambush anyone. No, but Braun is so pigeonholed right now. Like, I'm, I'm almost getting exhausted of the feats of strength every week. I'm tired of him. Like, he's flipping stages. Like, he's doing shit. Like, you've built him up so much that now he's indestructible. He's bulletproof. So, yeah, have him lose to Kevin Owens. Like, count out, DQ, some bullshit. Have Kevin Owens hold on that briefcase. That's what I want to see. It definitely takes him down a little notch. But to set him up to be even bigger. Yeah. As far as Braun. Um, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. I don't care who wins. Give me 30 minutes. But I think AJ Styles keeps the belt. This isn't the end. No, it's it's this is not the end. Which, look, I'm just gonna go with my heart here. I hope Samoa Joe wins and gets the title. <laughs> oh, but I I couldn't hope Ricochet wins the title. But you're picking well, Samoa Joe, huh? No problem reason, with that. But the reason why I'm saying this is if the only the way this makes sense is to me is that they have an excellent match, and if Joe goes over on AJ because clearly this isn't over. This is not going to be a one and done feud. This feud is going to extend even further. So I think AJ winning. With Joe just recently coming back, would put Joe kind of back in his place, but it could also bring out a more brutal side of Joe, which you got to wonder, like how much more brutal this guy can get. Um, but I wouldn't mind Joe winning by, you know, just being a savage, and then you know laughing his ass off and being the heel with the title. And um, of course, a heel champion, so the babyface can chase him. Well, I mean, well, I think they're either way. Like all I'm hoping for is a great match. It, whoever wins, I really don't care. If AJ wins, I just hope. Joe destroys him after the match. That's what I hope for. If if Joe wins, I hope it's because of some shit where he just injures or impairs AJ. Whatever it is, I want this match to have more heat. Like, because it's these two guys are built for each other. The matches they had in TNA were unbelievable. So this thing can go on further, and the promos that Joe has been cutting were excellent. And the whole reading the letter from his wife or whatever that was at the end of SmackDown, dude, there's a lot of fire on this match. So I kind of feel like if AJ wins, Joe has to murder him after the match, and they have to extend this feud. I'm all right with that. Then we have Alexa Bliss, Ronda Rousey. Well, before mm-hmm. before um, I would have uh, called shenanigans if Natty was there, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I think this got to be straight up. Yeah, and if it's straight up, then Ronda wins, unless she gets DQ'd. On the, I, I would say Alexa gets DQ'd. By someone jumping Rousey and Alexa is happy God, to be DQ'd. You and these goddamn run-ins. I think if Alexa's going to get DQ'd, it's going to be hitting her with a chair or some shit like uh, that. That's fine. I mean, however it goes. Just I, I don't want. We don't need to run in then. Just I, I think if there's a DQ, Alexa's the one who gets DQ'd, and it's not Ronda snapping, well, which would be dope. Ronda snapping and yeah. just fucking up everyone, ref included, and getting DQ'd like the hell with the belt isn't bad. Like if Alexa rolls her up <laughs> or something wild, and then she just fucking snaps, that'd be dope. Bottom line is, I don't think either of us are ready to see Ronda with the title yet. No, but that'd be okay. a dope way to lose. You know what? The hell with it. She doesn't have to be undefeated forever. Alexa Bliss gets some whack-ass roll-up after Ronda's been whooping her ass. Ronda snaps and just goes full Kurt Angle on everyone. Yeah, I'm not picking Ronda to lose by pinfall. I just think I think there'll be a DQ that allows Alexa to retain the title. And then uh, Lesnar versus Reigns. You know where I, I've said this what, since Reigns won the number one contender match. He's going over. He's going over clean. No running, no money in the bank, no bullshit, no Russo booking. Uh, I. It's time, man. It's time. You do whatever the hell you want after that. It's time. Close the door on it. 
I don't care. I I want <laughs> I want Brock to win, and I want Braun to beat Brock. That's how I'd like to see this go. Chances are, Roman can't lose not... again. Look, yes, he can. Like he really can. He really can. Like, he really can't. Like he really can. This like, is four years deep, Trey. He can't. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Roman wins. The fans are going to cheer for like three minutes and boo him out the building. It doesn't matter. He can lose again. He can go. He can go the Tanahashi route and be like sad, and, or he can be the Okada and be like, oh, and changes changes to like. Do you I want him have red hair? <laughs> dog, I want him to lose this match. I just want the vitriol from the crowd. I want the setup to be all for nothing. I want Roman Reigns to lose this match fucking clean. <laughs> you're just, man, you're just heartbreaking right it's not, like, you're, you're just, it's You not just want to point and laugh. Yeah, it's not happening. Roman's going to go over. He's going to be the champ. He's going to hold the title up. And, and Vince McMahon's going to go, we did it. And he's going to hear the crowd booing. He's going to go, fuck. And that's what's going to happen. And yep. then we'll go to Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and all those guys for a feud and probably end up with Braun Strowman somewhere down the line. Um, but I, I really don't want Roman Reigns to win the title. It's yep. too predictable, especially, and, with the, especially with the Heyman turn on Monday Night Raw. Yep. And new. So I, I think that's where we get Roman Reigns. And we'll see. Maybe they finally give in to the booze and give a character change. I doubt it. But we'll see where it leads that. But Roman Reigns... We'll be the new champion, and we'll figure out everything else on Monday Night Raw. Um, that's it. That's it for our show. A lot of wrestling, a lot of other stuff. It was a good show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, follow us on social media, at The Corner LSN, all platforms. Me, at Kel Dansby. Him, at Andreas Hale. We'll be back next week recapping all of this wrestling, talking more about the UFC, whatever else pops off in pop culture and hip-hop, and some boxing uh, Deontay Wilder, damn sure, is going to get in Tyson Fury's face. So that's going to be exciting to talk about. Until then, though, we're out. Peace.